Good to see you. Uh, that was some passionate worship from the depth of their soul, wasn't it? I just wish the team had more enthusiasm, don't you? They're just, they just lack some enthusiasm. Uh, they're so encouraged to be here with you and be a part of all this. So, yeah, Splash Dash, Danita and I were here for it last year, and it's June the 26th. We were actually, I think I was cutting meat and hot dogs. I thought we were going to run out of food, so I was cutting hot dogs in half. And I needed Jesus to multiply the loaves and the fish. And um, we had enough. I'm looking at all the crowds and the kids, and I'm looking at the food, and I'm going, we don't have a prayer, God. You're going to have to show up. So it'll be a great, a great event. I want to start reading a couple passages of Scripture, and then we'll just jump right in. We're in a series on promises. Psalm 32, verses 1, 2, and 3. These are all in your app if you have a Harborside app and you want to download it if you haven't. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I think you would say, "Uh uh-huh, that's right. If your sins are forgiven, if your sins are covered, that's a good thing, right? Blessed means happy, fortunate, it's a good thing. Blessed is the one whose sin, the Lord, does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Again, you would say, that makes just perfect sense. When I kept silent... My bones wasted away. You're going, now you just lost me. Through my groaning all day long. Same author, a few chapters later, David in Psalm 51, he says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We're coming to the problem. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Now, King David had committed adultery, and King David had murdered Uriah, one of his mighty men, and just weakened his whole nation by doing this. And so at this moment, King David knows that he has sinned. But rather than confessing his sin, he decided to sit in his sin. And it's like us that no matter how badly we don't want to feel guilty... Whenever we do something that's outside the margins of Scripture or outside of God's will or anytime we color outside of God's lines, we're going to feel guilty. We don't want to feel guilty. We don't like guilt. We don't want any guilt in our lives. But it's something that just messes with us. There is a thing called guilt. Our promise today helps us resolve guilt. Because what God has done for us is he's actually atoned for our sins. But I want us to sit in a a moment here in guilt. What is that like when you feel guilty? What is that like when you know you've messed up, you know you did something you shouldn't have done, you know you're steeped in something, and you, you haven't gotten out of it, for whatever reason you haven't stepped outside of it, and, and you, you're not quite sure what to do with this thing called, called guilt. And so uh, unresolved guilt is kind of like the snooze alarm on your phone. Just keeps going off, right? And notice how the snooze button on your phone is the largest button on your phone? And unresolved guilt goes off, but then every 10 minutes or so, it comes back, right? Unresolved guilt. 
How many of you in the morning hit the snooze button one or two times every morning? Keep, raise them high. We want to know who you are. We want you to feel guilty. How many of you do this three or four times in the morning? I really want to know who you are because during our 21-day fast in January, you also go without coffee. And we want to stay clear of you. We want to know who you are and avoid you. Now, isn't that annoying? Isn't that distracting? Doesn't that cause you to lose sleep? Messes with your conscience? Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's it. Let's turn that baby off, all right? And, and, and we know what that's like. It just, guilt just keeps coming back and coming back. And so it's why some people start nonprofits. It's why some people go volunteer at the U.S. Sheriff's Ranch. It's why some people ring the bells for the Salvation Army because they got all this guilt and they're trying to do something good to help absolve and resolve some of those feelings within them. So should you do good things? Of course. It's why some people just write checks and they write checks regularly because they are guilty and feel guilty and they're trying to do something good to absolve the guilt that they feel. You know that, right? There are so many nonprofits that get started all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And really, a lot of it is good, but it's trying to absolve somebody's guilt. On the other hand, when you have a lot of guilt, you may try to run as far and as fast away from your Heavenly Father as you possibly can. You're smart. You know that's why people do what they do. That's why some people do drugs. That's why some people drink way too much. That's why some people can't wait to show you all their toys. It's why some people love the power. They love their positions of power, and they want their positions of power, and, and, and because there's guilt. And, and somehow, maybe I can absolve some of the guilt in my life and, and get... So, what we tend to do, if we don't do what I'm getting ready to suggest, we tend to try to do really good things, which you should do. All that's good. And that's certainly a lot better than doing all the bad things that cause and wreck havoc in our culture, in our society. But David finally, after a year, figured out that he couldn't have enough mighty men, he couldn't have enough women, he couldn't have enough money, he couldn't have enough good things, he couldn't have enough security in his kingdom. David figured out, David sat in his guilt for a year. This is King David. And finally, when Nathan the prophet confronted him, he just repented and became a, a puddle. And he says this in Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I'll teach transgressors your ways so the sinners will turn back to you. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praises. You do not delight in sacrifices, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, God, you will not despise. 
And so King David foreshadows for us how it feels like when we are in that right relationship with God. So there's an easy way and there's a hard way. There's a fast way and there's a long way to deal with your guilt. The easy way is to recognize that your sin and my sins and all our sins are always against God. And the way to deal with guilt is to confess our sins and get right with God. Now, the hard way and the long way is just keep running harder and faster and further away from God. And and if you can just run a little bit faster, then maybe God will forget. If you can run just a little bit faster, then maybe the snooze alarm won't go off every 10 minutes. Maybe it'll go off every two days. And so what I'm going to propose for us today is exactly why Jesus came. It's why Jesus came to give his life and why Jesus shed his blood for us. But before we talk about Jesus, which is always good to talk about, right? It's always good to talk about Jesus at church. I want to tell you that Moses tried to offer his blood. And there's a story after the golden calf where they make the golden calf and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and God says, look, you need to come down. They've gone AWOL, and so come back down. And so he comes down, and, and Moses is so distraught because God is angry. And God is very angry with the disobedience of the people. And so what Moses tries to do is he tries to offer his own blood. I'm going to read you the story, Exodus 32. The next day Moses said to the people, you've committed a great sin. But now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses is going to try to do something that was reserved only for Jesus Christ. Moses was going to try to atone for the sins of the people. It it, it didn't work. But now I will go to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sins. Verse 31. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. What's he saying? God, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for these people. And you know what's so interesting about this story? Is God basically says to Moses, who do you think you are? It's an awesome story. The greatest guy in the OT is probably Moses. And God looks at Moses and says, you think your blood can buy back these people? You think your blood is good? Really? You think you can do And God says to Moses, Mo, your blood's not good enough. Wow. What a slap in the face to Moses. It was noble, but he didn't qualify. And that's where we come into this incredible verse that we have today. And this is your promise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it'll be on your wallpaper and your, and your phones if you want it later on. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's look at that again really closely. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we then might become the righteousness of God. Now, what is this saying? This is so interesting. If you can remember, those of you that are a little bit older, if you can remember like watching a Billy Graham crusade, 
or if you've ever been to a Billy Graham crusade, I think I went to one in Indianapolis when I was in high school. But if you can ever, if you ever you can listen to Billy Graham, I can still hear Billy Graham say, no matter how many good deeds you do, and he would then say, you can't help enough old ladies across the street. I don't know why he thought that was a good deed, but anyway, you can't help enough old ladies across the street. And he said, you can't get, write enough checks, you can't give away enough money to save yourself from your sins. And he would always come back then to the cross. And that's what happened. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the cross is foreshadowed. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Adam and Eve sinned, we then, God, lost the legal rights to his people. And basically, our enemy then had his claws in you and had legal rights to you. And so you were, you were then owned by an enemy. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says, I'm foreshadowing a day when I will have the legal rights back to my people. There will come a day when I will legally own the rights to my people. And so this verse says, God made him who, who had no sin to be sin for us, basically for, again, the legal rights. And so what Jesus did then on the cross is he then paid the price for you legally. And honestly, everybody who was living or born or would be born had the legal right to become a Christian. In, in other words, Jesus really did die for the world. He really did die for every single person. Now, every person has to accept Christ, and every person has to call upon the name of the Lord. But what he did on the cross was incredulous. And so let's just, let's just sit in this for just a minute. Because there's no reason for you to have guilt. There's no reason for you to walk around today or tomorrow with guilt. So here's what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. All of your sins, all of our sins, all of everybody's sins were heaped on the cross. We can start naming 50 different sins. They were all placed on there. We can start listing the biggest ones to the smallest ones. They were, they're all on there. We can start listing the ones that were heinous, the ones that were not as, we, they're all on. Every single sin was placed on the cross. And Jesus did this to buy you back. Jesus did this to have legal rights to you. And so God made him who had no sin to be sin. And that's why Jesus died of a ruptured heart. On the cross, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't know sin. He'd never felt sin. He'd never experienced sin. And all of a sudden, on the cross, all the sins of the world were heaped upon Jesus. And he cries out, my God, my God. This is like over what I can't. And he dies. Basically, his heart just ruptures from your sins and from my sins. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that's, that's the encouraging part to me. Because no matter what you were, if you're in Christ, it's now who you are that counts. It's not really what you did. It's now what you're doing. It's not your past, it's your present, and it's your future. This is the significance of the blood of Christ. 
So when the veil in the temple was rent in half, what happened? The blood of Christ was now placed on the mercy seat, and the mercy seat now extended to everybody who called upon the name of the Lord. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, if you've never done this, that is step one. Step one is, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And that's step one for your salvation. And they call that justification. It's just as if I've never sinned. When God looks at you, he sees you just as if you've never sinned. That's incredible. That's incredible that God sees you as if you've never sinned. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your weaknesses. He doesn't see your fears. He doesn't see your phobos. He doesn't see your anxiety. He sees you just as if you've never sinned. Now, that's, a, that's slap your mama jump a pew kind of message right there. That, that doesn't get any better. That, that's incredible. It's incredible what Jesus did for you. It's overwhelming. And so step one is called justification. The second part is called sanctification. And this is where we all get kind of in the miry clay. Because the world beats us down. The world confuses us. And the world gets us off track and we get discouraged because we get a little bit, you know, dissuaded to do. But but the point of this is you're in the process of being sanctified. Really doesn't matter how you feel. It's really what he did for you that counts. And so we then are the righteousness of God. And this is his hope, friends. This, This is his glory that you change, that you are being transformed. This is his glory. This is what he's living for, that you become that priest or that minister that we've talked about, that I once was, but now I am. And to me, that's the most exciting part to me of, of, of the Christian faith, is that we keep growing, and we can keep growing, and we can keep growing. And so we, we give our lives to Christ, But he also tells us when we struggle with sin, or we lose it at work, or we lose it in the neighborhood, or we say something or we do something that we shouldn't do. Anybody still do that? Raise them high, okay? Or we'll get you for lying and perjury, all right? It's the way he says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And this is now that process of sanctification. So every time we come to communion, Lord, can't believe you did what you did. Lord, I'm so great. Every time you wake up, every every, every morning when you wake up, God, you are awesome. You did all this for me. I, I, I am so incredibly grateful for what you've done. So I I think about possibly the very first convert to all this was the thief on the cross. And I think about how Jesus is dying and there's two thieves on both sides of him and he's in the middle and the crowds have hurled insults and and the soldiers have beat and spit and crown of thorns rammed down on top of his head and 
and, and lots of drama is going on. And one thief seems to get it. And it's a Hail Mary prayer, right? It's a desperation prayer. And, and he's got nothing to lose, but he sees something in Jesus. And so he, he, he asks. Let me just read the story. Luke 23, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. So that's not the, the good thief. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. What a story that is. Well, this guy named Gene Edwards, he, he wrote a, a book about all this, and he has kind of a fictitious imagination, fictitious story with a vivid imagination of what might have happened with the thief of the cross and the angels and the passage into paradise. And I've never heard it quite like this before, so I just want you to hear this story. Um, it probably didn't happen exactly like this, but it certainly paints a good picture of what could have happened. So the thief on the cross dies, and now he gets into paradise. So here he is. He gets there and he says, are all of you angels, he asked. Is it speaking to us, said one of the angels. A am I an angel? The, the approaching creature paused and slowly looked around. No, I, I guess I'm not an angel. I think I used to be a human. But oh, look, look at me. I've never seen such innocence, such purity, such perfection, whispered one of the angels. He does not seem to be aware of how beautiful he is or how bright he is. Where am I? What am I doing here? Who are you? Please pray. Tell me. What am I? Dare we speak to him? Ask another of the angels. You've never seen anything like me, have you? You are the first, stammered one of the angels finally, but I have an idea you will not be the last. As to who you are, I would be pleased to tell you, but I really don't know who you are. He told me that I would be here today. Is this today? The mouths of the angels fell open. One said, at last, we know who you are. Another said, this is not possible. After all, remember what he was. He was an old thief. That old, cheating, lying thief. Now I remember, exclaimed the thief, and oh, oh, he remembered me. We know who you are, dear one, but we're a little surprised considering what you were this evening. I was a thief. I am a thief, or, or I was a thief. I, I don't know what I am now. We'll tell you who you are. You are the first of the redeemed. You are the handiwork of Christ's redemption. That is what I am, explained the former thief. I have another question. Am I as beautiful as I think I am? Even more so, replied the angels. Am I as bright as you are? No, 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 much more, much brighter. We've never been that bright. Never before have I been able to see places which cannot be seen, observed the thief in wonderment. Are you sure I'm the only one of my kind? Yes, answered one of the angels. But we expect many more 
of your kind. You are the first of your species, another angel informed him. I think I died, said the thief. I was on a cross just a few minutes ago. Now look at me. Am I in paradise? This is at least paradise, replied the angel, and perhaps it will be even more. We will know in three days. In fact, with your arrival, we will be sure that this will be much more than paradise in three days. As those words, this child of God grabbed one of the terrified angels and embraced him and began to dance. Angels do not dance, observed one of the heavenly hosts gruffly. We do now, smiled another. I do not know who I am. I do not know where I am. I do not know what I am, but I sense I am not what I used to be. And that is a wonderful and beautiful thing. Suddenly he paused. The one dying next to me said that I would be with him in paradise. But he also mentioned something to me about a book, a book of life. Is there something called the book of life? And also, was there something about being known even as I am known? And with that, the angels rushed to the book of life. And just as they had expected, the very first name written in the book of life was this former thief. The angels began to shout praises, joined by peals of laughter. They burst into a crescendo of song as rarely known before. I am the first of what, he said. You are the first of those for whom we have waited throughout the ages. We have long awaited for this day to arrive. One last question. You are called angels, but what am I called, he asked. You are called a holy one a holy one. What God has done for you is inexplicable. It is unexplainable what the Heavenly Father did for you and for me. We sing this song, Worthy. And we released this song a couple of months ago and it's incredible the doors that got opened with Integrity Music. Integrity Music partners with us. We have a five-year contract. We have a contract with them. We're to release a new song every six weeks. They take the song. They put it on playlists. They send it out to the world. It's incredible what God is doing uh, through Harborside Music. It really is. And so when I'm listening to this song, Worthy, and it took me several times to, to get the theology of this song. I want you to get it. This, this means a lot to me. Not that you play this song on Spotify or whatever. But what, 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 what matters to me is, is the theology. There's some depth to this song. I want you to see the verses. I want you to see the words. I want you to see the theology. Because sometimes when we sing one line at a time... It's like we, we, we don't get it. So I want to put the whole thing up here, and I want you to grasp the theology that goes on with this song. The cross was the altar where you sacrificed your life for me. you got to get that because everything starts at the cross. The reason you're righteous, the reason you're a priest, the reason you're a minister the reason you have the Holy Spirit, everything starts at the cross. It was an altar. 
And you don't even have to die. Your blood wasn't good enough like Moses. You couldn't atone for any of your own sins, much less Moses trying to atone for his own people. The cross, that's the altar. The sinless one, the only one who never has sinned, the only one who's never deserved death, the one who didn't deserve to be punished, got nails in his hands and feet and a spear in his side and a crown of thorns on his head and was spit upon and beaten by a bunch of soldiers. He did that for you. He gave his life for you. You wore a crown of thorns to give me a crown of victory. Lord, you are my hope. There's a fire inside my bones. Every morning, let's wake up with a fire inside of our bones. Not fear and anxiety and depression and discouragement. Look what's going on in the world. What's going on inside of you is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the living Christ who's come to live in you. You change every atmosphere. You influence every conversation. Every business deal, every student you teach, everybody in your life is impacted by the Spirit of Christ in you. We don't walk around in fear. We walk around in faith. We have fire inside of our bones because of what Jesus did for us. There's a fire in us. And the only reason you don't have a fire because the fire got put out. But the fire's there. It's that pilot light. Just turn the gas on. Just turn it up and pursue him. This song is incredible. You're the fire. So I worship you. You know how you get more fire? More surrender. You want to lose the fire? Tell everybody how great you are. Walk around like a stud and strut and tell everybody how smart you are. The fire comes with humility. The fire comes by laying it down. That's the fire. And so I worship you. I worship you. Who are you going to worship? Yourself? There's nobody better to worship. Forevermore I will worship you. Holy is your name. Jesus, you took my place. I worship you forevermore. He took our place. The finished work of the cross, see, it was finished. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about the blood of bulls and goats and turtle doves and pigeons. And they would do this over and over and over again. And every year on the Day of Atonement, they would do it once a year. But it never moved, it never removed your sin. It only appeased God's anger for a short time. It's the finished work of the cross. It's finished. Finished. Now the elders surround your throne. These are the most holy, got 24 elders around the throne and they're just taking off their crowns and they're just bowing down before him and they're shouting, holy, holy, holy. The most godly, righteous people are just taking off their crowns. You are holy, you are worthy. Worthy is the lamb who's crucified. The one who was and will be, worthy is the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the one who was and will be. You are holy. You are worthy. You are righteous. And you are true. And so every time we come to communion, 
and we think about he told us to do this in remembrance of him what are we remembering well if you're at home get some bread or cracker or something and find some grape juice as well we're remembering what he did for you he did for you what nobody else could ever do for you he forgave you he cleansed you He bought you back. He redeemed you. He atoned for you. He purged you. So I can't imagine us doing anything else but this. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine us living our lives for anything or anybody else. It's the heart of ingratitude to live our lives for anything else but the one who gave his life for for us. So Jesus, we thank you. We remember what you did. And we honor you with your body. I take just a second before you take the, the blood here the juice which represents the blood. And maybe maybe there's something you need to tell him right now. Maybe you need to tell him how grateful you are. And just express your amazing gratitude. If you've never given your life to Christ, this is the very moment to say, Jesus, I give my life to you and become a Christian. Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But what do you need to say today in light of our theme verse? What do you need to say to him? Take just a minute and pray and I'll lead us with this. your blood so that we could live with you forever and our names will be written in the Lamb's book of life and we're grateful we're overwhelmed with gratitude on what you have done for us and so we remember your blood today Jesus in your name we pray So now we're going to sing that song, those lyrics that I just shared with you, those lyrics that I just walked you through. We're going to end our service today, but you've got the big picture now. You know what this song says. You know what this song is about. And this is going to be your opportunity now to express heartfelt worship back to him. Will you stand with us as we sing Worthy?
like we talked about and we're going to humble ourselves before a holy God right now in this place as we sing and join and say worthy is the lamb crucified the one who was and will be worthy is the lamb Jesus Christ, the one who was and will sing to him. We worship you, one true and living King. We speak truth in this place. The one who was. Holy, 
Before you leave, would you lift your hands one more time with me? The reason we do this is because this is the universal sign of surrender. We lift our hands before a holy God. And God, we make this prayer personal. This is your assembly and you are not a figment of our imagination. God, you are real. And when we stand before you, we know that you are holy. You are worthy. You are righteous and you are true and we keep our hands up before you and father we ask right now that we would be washed and protected in the blood of Jesus that as we go out through these doors Lord we surrender our lives to you we are not the master of our lives Lord we say that you are the master you are the redeemed your redempted one you are the redeemer you are our righteousness. So God, we stand and we receive the blessing. We go with you. We stand with you. We rest with you and we live in you. We trust you for many things to come until we meet in glory. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you.